Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. So continuing with our series on Ruth, um, we're in chapter 3 today, so we're going to read Uh, the entirety of Ruth chapter 3. So beginning in verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. After Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth. Your maidservant, take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want you to perform the duty for you, then, excuse me, but if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured out six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, and she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Let's pray once again. Our gracious God and Father, we do thank you for uh, this book that we've been able to to go through these last few weeks uh, and to look at your loving kindness 
uh, that is being displayed throughout the book in the life of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. Uh, and that that loving kindness is a picture of your loving kindness to us even today, uh, founded um, or settled in the person and work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our Father, as we consider thoughts from this passage this morning, we just pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts, uh, that there would be clarity and understanding of all that you would desire to reveal to us today. We pray in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. So I've broken this passage into five little sections. Um, and for those of you who know me, I usually like to use the same letter to start each one of them. Now, I'm rather convinced that I don't make those up. They really do just pop out uh, and they work. So the first one is the plan. The plan. The second one is the proposal. The third is the promise. The fourth is the provision and protection. And then lastly will be the patience. So first you have uh, Naomi in describing the plan, and then you have Ruth actually making somewhat the proposal. Boaz, who is then promising to Ruth the response. Uh, and then you have Boaz once again, both providing and protecting. Uh, not necessarily in that order. Uh, and then lastly, you have the patience of Ruth um, to see it all played out. So we're going to start with the plan in the first five verses. Uh, Naomi starts in verse 1 and says, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, uh, that it may be well with you? So, which is interesting, what you see here, of course, is you see a continuation of the heart of Naomi that was revealed in the very first chapter. Uh, in the first chapter, when they were starting their journey back to Judah, back to Bethlehem from Moab, uh, one of the things that Naomi had said both to Orpah and to Ruth in verse 9 was, the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband, encouraging them to go back to do that. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And that's, of course, when Orpah left and went home, uh, and Ruth stayed with Naomi. Um, but you see Naomi's heart in this. That was her heart in that moment. Uh, they had this whole conversation there in chapter one. Uh, are you going to wait for me until even if I did, I'm kind of past childbearing years, but if, even if I weren't, would you wait for my son to then grow up before you would be able to take him as a husband? No, I want to seek this for you. So now you see that continuation of Naomi's heart and saying that, should I not seek this security, this, this home for you, a place for you to go, uh, to be dwelled, uh, to dwell in, to be cared for, and all of those things. Um, one of the things, though, as we think about the plan, even as Naomi is revealing this, of course, is this is not just Naomi's plan. She didn't just come up with this all on her own and you know, have this miraculously great idea to find a husband for Ruth. But rather, you see that there's a plan that was developed even before by God, both in terms of the laws that, and the principles that were given. But even as we've already talked about through the series of Ruth, which is one of the key things all throughout it, which is God's sovereign continued work and provision in each of our lives. The providence of God, as A.B. was bringing out last week, 
his favor toward us, his desiring to work in our lives, his orchestrating events that bring us to this place. So the plan is far beyond just what Naomi is determining and saying in all of what she says, but really in bringing about everything that God had intended uh, to be fulfilled. When you think of those principles, there were two principles in view here as we go through the rest of the book of Ruth. But the first one is, and I might not say it uh, wonderfully, but the leveret principle or the law, which was the process of handing down the family inheritance. Uh, and basically from Deuteronomy chapter 25, and I'll just read that. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger uh, outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of the husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So this principle of wanting to maintain the family name and, of course, the family inheritance. And we've seen that. That's throughout the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, seven generations before Boaz, you saw that in Tamar. Uh, because Tamar was not given to Onan like she was supposed to be, according to this principle, according to this law. And that's when she went and guised herself as a harlot and was more righteous than Judah by doing that. So you see that principle. You see that principle in the New Testament even. The Lord Jesus, when the Pharisees uh, were talking to him and challenging him, and he said, okay, a man had seven brothers, and the first one died. Uh, the man had seven brothers, or there were six of them, in seven in total, excuse me. Uh, the first one got married and died without an offspring. And what about the second one? And then he died and no offspring. And the third, even unto the seventh. And they asked the question, so whose wife will she, or whose, right? Yeah, whose wife will she be? Whose husband will, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, who will she be the wife of in the glory? And the answer of the Lord Jesus was, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Uh, but you see that principle being laid out and communicated both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that principle, to some degree, might play here in the story of Ruth and Naomi, but not perfectly, and I'll come back to that. So the second one would be, of course, this principle or the law of the kinsman redeemer, the goel, a meaning to recover or to redeem. And similarly, and I'm not going to read it, but from Leviticus chapter 25, well, I'll read a bit of it. Uh, if one of the brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possessions and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold and so on and so forth. And all kinds of principles around this idea of the kinsman redeemer, a relative that can come in and appropriately buy back that which was either sold, uh, somehow maybe taken away, etc. So the kinsman redeemer could buy you out of slavery if you were put into slavery the kinsman redeemer would be the avenger of blood in the incident when there was um, uh, the, the manslaughter and they were able to go to the, the refuge city, the city of refuge. Uh, the kinsman redeemer would be able to purchase the family land and carry on the family name, similar to the leveret uh, process itself in principle. And these are the things that are kind of being played out here in the story with Ruth and with Boaz. And of course, what Naomi says here to Ruth as she continues on uh, from verse 1, and we're not going to stay here too long, but in verse 2, 
Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? So interestingly, and I'm not going to dwell on it right now, we'll maybe come back to this, but she does not refer to him there as the close relative or as the kinsman redeemer, but some, simply to be, is he not our relative? And so then she goes and she gives Ruth some instructions. Go take a bath, get yourself cleaned up, uh, anoint yourself, put on a little bit of perfume, uh, make, make sure you smell nice, uh, which is an interesting thing. I was thinking last night, uh, this is a completely off-topic uh, example here, but I was thinking last night that I want to start wearing the same cologne all the time. Uh, and this is for my grandchildren, like so that they will recognize that smell always. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that good? Anyways, very different than what Naomi is telling Ruth here, but random little thoughts. But all of us are sensitive to smell in some fashion. So go bathe yourselves. Make sure you're clean and prepared. Put on a little bit of perfume, anoint yourself, and put on your clothes. Now, it's believed that possibly what she had been wearing at this point were mourning clothes, mourning the death of her husband still. And now she's saying, no, Naomi's telling her, no, you want to go and put on the clothes that's going to say that you're available, you're no longer mourning, uh, and then this is what you're going to do. So she gives him the instruction, uh, wait until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, you want to pay attention. So he's, in the, he's there at the threshing floor doing all the, the winnowing, uh, which I'm not even going to bother to describe. But the, Anyways, I won't bother to describe it because it's not important to the story. What is important to the story is during this time, many of the people were there together doing this work in order to get the wheat and the barley, in this case, uh, prepared and ready, get ready the shaft. There's a celebration, which is why they were going to be eat, eating and drinking. Uh, and then they were going to stay by their product, so they were going to be sleeping there. So that's why she tells her, you need to make sure you see where he's lying down. You don't want to go and perhaps startle somebody else. So you want to make sure that you know who you're going to be going to. Um, so then it goes on. So that's what we have from Naomi in the plan, kind of laying it out. And of course, Ruth's response to that was, whatever you say to me, I will do. Um, and that brings in so many different thoughts from scripture, like the number of times the children of Israel said to God, uh, all that you tell us, we will do. Um, but here in this case, almost perfectly, Ruth does that which Naomi had told her. So she goes in verse 6. She went down to the threshing floor, did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. Verse 7, uh, after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful. And I think the old adage is what? The best way to a man's heart is through the stomach. So maybe it's true and it's even biblical. Um, so he was cheerful. Now, I don't know what that means for sure. Like, he had been drinking, like, I don't know if it means that or not, it doesn't really matter, but he was satisfied. I'd imagine that there was a certain measure of cheer simply from the fact that he had completed this work of the barley and doing all that was there, and that they saw the Lord's provision in giving this after many years of famine and coming back to this place. Uh, but he was cheerful uh, when she was there. So she came in softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Then it says, now it happened at midnight, man was startled, turned himself, and there was a woman lying there. Um, anyways, 
I don't know if you ever get startled at night and then suddenly you might get surprised when somebody's standing over you. I remember when the children were little, I think it was Faith would walk into the room uh, and suddenly she would just be standing there staring at Shona, waiting for her to wake up and notice that she was there. And it's rather startling. <laughs> so then Shona would startle and then I would startle and Faith would say, Mommy. Um, so he said to her, who are you? And her response was, I'm Ruth, your maidservant and take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. You are a kinsman redeemer. Now, one of the interesting things in this is the response that she's giving to him there is say, take your maidservant under your wing. So first of all, the way she describes herself as a maidservant, uh, there's a question about the uncovering of the feet and laying down at her feet as well. What did that actually mean or signify? And it seems to me that it is signifying this idea of submission and, and putting yourself under. So then when she says, take me under your wing, take your maidservant under your wing, do you remember what it was that Boaz said to Ruth in chapter 2? Boaz had already told Ruth, you have placed yourself under his wing, under God's wing. So in this communication that they've already had, Boaz acknowledged that this is what Ruth had already done, that she was a, and he says this in a few minutes here, she was a virtuous woman. Everything that was being reported about her was good, and you have placed yourself under the wing of God. So now she's saying, I'm submitting myself to you, and I'm asking you to take me under your wing. Now, when we think about this idea and the whole concept of coming under the wing of somebody else and thinking very specifically of women coming under the wing of the husband, that is always under the wing of God. Like, the husband has no authority or no ability apart from what God actually gives. So really when a woman is placing herself under a husband in that relationship and the authority and the love, it really is just a continuation of being under the wing of God. So this is her proposal. There is no other way to see it that she uncovered his feet, she said, um, take me as uh, your maidservant under your wing uh, because you are a close relative. To some degree, it reminds me a little bit about David and Saul. I know, a little strange. But I just remember the time when David went into the cave and he had every opportunity to kill Saul, but what did he do? He caught off the corner of his robe and he took it out to prove that he wasn't going to have done anything. Saul was chasing after David out of fear that he was trying to kill God's anointed, but he took it out and he effectively was saying, I am submitting myself to God as you are the anointed one. So it might be a bit of a stretch, but that was one of the thoughts that came to my mind, just this picture of this. I'm placing myself under you in this time. It also makes me think, of course, the woman in Luke chapter 7, who came in when the Lord was meeting with the disciples in Simon's house, 
and she laid at his feet as they were all having a meal together and his feet were there and she laid and she worshiped and she washed her, his feet with her tears and with her hair and the fragrance from the perfume was just permeating out. And this is really so much of what we see Ruth doing here. Remember, Ruth did anoint herself. She did put the perfume on. It would be a similar sort of situation, though she was not explicitly washing his feet. So now we move on to the promise. So Boaz's response to Ruth, uh, Ruth's proposal, Boaz's response, which is his promise. So he says in verse 10, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. Um, so I want to talk about basically two things, I think, within here. Number one, this word kindness is hesed uh, in the Hebrew. And that really is like, it, like kindness is a bad word to explain what hesed is. And not like bad in this like ridiculously bad sort of sense, but in the sense that you cannot fully grasp the depth of what hesed is trying to explain. Uh, in other passages of scripture, and depending on the translation, I mean, you will often see it translated kindness. In other translations and other portions of scripture, hesed will be uh, translated to be mercy. Uh, unfailing love, uh, such as in Isaiah 54.10, or a steadfast love. In other words, this kindness is the result of the love that is so deep that the only thing that pours out as a result of that is kindness. Um, we've heard this word twice before in the book of Ruth. The first instance was in chapter 1 when Naomi was talking to the girls, and Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to your mother's house, each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly, hesed with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So hesed being something that typically is describing the Lord's love, his steadfast, unfailing love in kindness as being uh, poured out as a result of that love. The second one is in Ruth chapter 20, when Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, again, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. So blessed be of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness. So here we have that being described by Boaz to Ruth in chapter or in verse 10. Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown, shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go out after young men, whether poor or rich. So the kindness at the beginning would be the kindness that was being communicated, this hesed love that Ruth was declaring and demonstrating for Naomi and coming with her. And everything that Boaz had described of her in chapter two, of all the things that he heard, was all of the love, the hesed, that Ruth had been demonstrating to Naomi. And now that was at the beginning. And now here at the end, her kindness 
is even greater, this hesed is even greater than that which was demonstrated at the beginning. Now, why is that? Well, part of it, I think it goes on to the, you did not, I mean, very simplistically, because you did not go after young men. Again, this is indicating that Boaz is older than Ruth, uh, maybe even a different generation, but you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, it seems that the Leverett principle or law does not actually apply in the situation of Ruth. In other words, she could have herself, she would not been at fault of any kind to go out and find a husband. So if that's true, that the Leverett principle did not actually apply to Ruth, there was no brother immediately there because they were all dead. There was no immediate relative of family member that could take that responsibility from the Leverett principle perspective. And here Boaz is commending her for not doing that, but seemingly she could have done that. In many ways, it seems to me that really Ruth is being a substitute for Naomi to ensure that Naomi is getting the kinsman redeemer. Now, granted, Ruth is also getting entering into this relationship with the kinsman redeemer, but Ruth actually, it seems that she's like a substitute in this. Notice how at the beginning in chapter 3 and verse 1, the response that Naomi gave when she said to her, she said, go and uh, Boaz is a relative. She didn't say close relative. She didn't refer to him as a kinsman redeemer toward Ruth, a relative. But in the proposal, in the communication that Ruth gave to Boaz was, for you are a close relative. You're a kinsman redeemer. And I can't be dogmatic on this, but there seems to be this picture here of Ruth taking on from a substitution perspective of the kinsman redeemer to the family of Elimelech and through for Naomi. What a beautiful picture that really is, if I can say this, of both Jew and Gentile being able to come in into the enter into the promises of God. The kinsman redeemer and the leveret and everything was a Jewish principle, which Naomi was a Jew, but Ruth was not. Ruth was a Moabitess. And she was coming in and entering into these promises, but simply in response to loving kindness, hesed toward Naomi. So I can't be dogmatic on there, and it certainly is the sort of principle of the kinsman redeemer toward Ruth as well. But there seems to be this idea of her taking this place of the kinsman redeemer. You get to chapter 4, and the women said, see now, even Naomi has a son after the son was born to Boaz and to Ruth. And of course, that's not uncommon in that day to refer to the second generation as a child. But something for us to consider, and certainly, oh, yeah, good, good luck. Uh, uh, you won't need to discuss that this week because we have prayer week um, this week, so no discussion on this topic. So if you have thoughts, you can certainly pass them along to me. All right, so now we go into uh, Boaz's response further, not just that um, he said, I will do all that you have said. Uh, he references, and I, I'm skipping right through this part just to get there, he said, but there is a closer relative than I. So tomorrow I'll go and see if he will do it, if he'll take the responsibility. 
But if he doesn't, then I will do all that you've asked, and I will take you and um, all of the inheritance. So the qualification of the kinsman redeemer is to be a blood relative relationship, able to redeem, have the means by which to do so, and then thirdly, willing to redeem, the desire to actually do it. Uh, and I'll leave that for the speaker next week to, to address, since that's really a chapter four issue of seeing this, uh, the one who is the closer relative and his decision not to. So now we see Boaz's pro provision and protection in verses 14 and 15. So it says he told her to stay there until the morning, but then it says in verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when he, she held it, he measured out six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Now, some translations say uh, measures of barley, or some believe it might be a sea not actually an ephah. In the New King James, it's actually italicized as though the word was different. Uh, because I think, A.B., you said last week one ephah was about 40 pounds. So if we were actually, is that what you said last week? Yeah. So if we were talking about that six ephahs, if it was literally an ephah, six times 40 is 240 pounds. I don't know about you, but I mean, if I can lift 40 pounds, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, if she were to try to lift 240 pounds and walk with that, that might be rather difficult. Uh, but if it's a sia, then it's maybe about a half an ephah. So you still are multiplying. So let's just say that. So let's say it's a half an ephah. So that's three ephah, so 120 pounds that she's going to be walking with. Uh, a little bit of an encouragement here to us. Um, you know, she walked into, uh, you know, what I mean by that is a little bit of encouragement to the sisters. Um, she walked in softly to uncover his feet. She prepared herself. She bathed and put on the clothing and perfumed herself and did all of these things that but yet then she carried 120 pounds. Let's just pretend it's that for a minute because it was a lot to take it back home. In other words, you can be both soft as a woman and strong at the very same time. What a beautiful picture that is. What an encouragement that can be. That this is how God has made the women. To be both soft and strong. So the first thing he says, don't go, stay here until uh, the morning comes. But it says in verse 14, she rose before one could recognize. In other words, in other words, it was still dark out. So if she were to walk by anybody, she wouldn't, he didn't want her to be seen. Uh, imagine if somebody walked by her and, and they said, oh, where are you coming from? And she said, oh, I'm coming from uh, being at the threshing floor with Boaz. Well, that would be, you know, not good. Um, so he also gave her this provision. And I would say probably for two reasons, both for the provision aspect of wanting to give it to her and also to Naomi, but also for the protection. So now if she does come across anybody and they say to her, oh, wh where are you coming from? Well, I'm coming from the threshing floor and to collect all this barley that Boaz had given me. And what a responsibility that men have to provide and to protect, that this is how God has made men to be the provider and the protector. And this is what Boaz is doing in demonstration of this wonderful picture that we have, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of who he is. 
So then lastly, she now brings this, and she comes back to Naomi. And she says, uh, the mother-in-law, Naomi said in verse 16, is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, and she said, this, uh, these six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Now, when you think about this whole thing, again, Boaz's response to this proposal is, if this nearer, closer relative does not do it, I will gladly do it. I am willing to do it. But if he does, good. That's what he said. <laughs> Boaz, if he does, good, because it will be fulfilled and you will be cared for that this was his heart in this for her as well. This just makes me think a little bit of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 5 and verse 17, this, this comment in which Naomi says, the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter. In John 5 and verse 17, Jesus answered them, my father, and this was after the Pharisees, again, just criticizing the Lord for uh, healing somebody on the Sabbath day, uh, we're doing something on the Sabbath day. And so my father has been working until now, and I have been working. So Boaz is this picture, again, both of the father and of the son, and just continuing to work until this matter is resolved, until the redemption is complete. What a beautiful picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this that we have. So I want to talk through gospel summary, like these five points, the, the plan, the proposal, the promise, the provision and the protection and the patience from a gospel perspective. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're just going to read a bunch of those verses, and then I'm just going to walk through some of those things related to those. Hopefully it won't take too long. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He had both the means and the willingness, which he has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the plan, we talked about the plan, God's plan from the beginning. He, in, the, in the example of Ruth with Naomi, she laid out this plan. This plan was predicated on God working and making all of these circumstances happen. This plan was predicated on God providing these laws that would, in fact, make provision for them. The plan before the foundation of the world that he predestined to adoption as sons. God had a plan to redeem his people to himself, both Jew and Gentile. Uh, Revelation 13a, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have been written in the book of the life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The plan, Verse uh, Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. The plan being fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The proposal I, from Ephesians, I just look at who first trusted in Christ. Like Ruth submitting herself to Boaz, coming to him, recognizing him as the one that could redeem. And Paul writing to the Ephesians, referring to that of themselves, of himself as he wrote that, but then also of those in Ephesus. John chapter 12, or excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The promise, uh, Boaz, uh, the promise that I will do this, I will complete this. And then, of course, if once he does it or the other one does it, but once Boaz does it, what happens? Well, Naomi and Ruth enter into what? The inheritance of all that Boaz has. So, from Ephesians chapter 1, having obtained an inheritance. We have obtained this inheritance. We've received the Holy Spirit of promise, which really comes back to the patience as well. In John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Boaz says, I need to go and take care of this at the, the gate of the city, but I will come again, and I will take you unto myself. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, he who calls you is faithful and also will do it. The provision and the protection. Uh, the provision we've received, the Holy Spirit of promise, is the guarantee of our inheritance. And we saw, of course, Boaz's provision uh, while she waited, the provision that she had as the promise of the coming. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. The protection. The patience of Ruth. The patience. Wait 
because he who said is going to do this, he will not rest until the matter is solved. So she, he's telling her to rest. Naomi's telling her to rest because he won't rest. And that is the gospel. We rest because of what he has already done. We rest because of who he is, because of the work that he continues to do. From Ephesians chapter 1, and he put all things under his feet, in verse 22, and gave him to be head over things to the earth, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. We have patience while he continues to do the work. First Thessalonians chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. God's plan, us entering into the plan, coming into the promise, the promise being given, the provision and protection and all we have because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. And lastly, the patience until that day that we are united with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb to be with him for eternity. The gospel is revealed in the life of Ruth and Boaz. Thanks be to God for all that we have. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving God and Father, we do thank you for this account, this real life experience, story, thing that happened that is a beautiful picture of all that you intended to accomplish through the person and work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we do pray this morning that if there is anybody who has heard of the kinsman redeemer, the redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, but is not trusted in him for salvation, pray, Father, that their heart would see their sin that separates themselves from you, and they would see the Hesed love of the God of heaven who has shown great kindness to us in order to draw us into a, an eternal relationship. That sin can be forgiven. That we can know the living God of the universe because we're no longer separated from you by sin. All because of what Jesus Christ has done. So Father, if there's anybody this morning that is yet to have trusted in Christ, we pray that you would speak to each one of their hearts. Father, for those of us who have, we pray that we would continue to enter into this wonderful relationship, even as Ruth was entering into this relationship with Boaz, entering into the inheritance of all that he would provide, placing herself under the wing of Boaz. Our Father, we pray that we would live our lives that way, entering to all that you have given to us, all the inheritance that we have, the inheritance of the, the Spirit of God that is dwelling in us, the earnest of that inheritance that we will have someday. Father, help us to walk in light of this relationship, the Hesed, kindness, loving relationship that you have toward us. Father, we just commit these things to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.